My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voices of Wrestling Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 162, and it's a fourth New Japan Grab Bag. And today I'm joined by a first-time guest here on the show. He is a contributor at Voices of Wrestling, as well as the host of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. It's, obviously, Warren Hayes. Warren, hello. Hi, Andrew. Thank you for having me. It's a, it, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to, to get into it. Uh, something that I don't talk about really often, you know, the the, the music and wrestling themes, and so th- this will be this will be a nice break. It'll be fun and touching on stuff that that you know that's part of the fandom, which is always what you cover here. So it's a, it's awesome. I'm really really glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Definitely, um, I know that you're a, a relative newcomer to VOW. And we haven't scared you off yet, thankfully, which is nice because you know we we need yep. all of the uh, the nice normal. Uh, well, quote unquote, normal people that we can find, I guess, to be part of the site. And um, as far as I can tell, you fit the bill. So I'm glad you're with us for sure, Warren. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, thank you very much. This is probably the nicest thing anyone has said to me this month, you know, calling me nice and normal. That's <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, maybe you could have a chat with my with my parents. That would also be <laughs> that would be great as well. I know, but look, uh, he, you know, joining joining Val uh, as a contributor and 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 starting, you know, to 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 get the, to know the the group, the crew, uh, you know, it's been it's been very good, and uh, y- y'all have been very welcoming, and I appreciate it. But you know what? Like the thing is, is that there's so many different types of fandoms, and I find that there's a lot of really really smart people in the group. Uh, and you know, as they say, iron, iron sharpens iron. Right. So I feel like, you know, there's, there's parts of what I have to do that, that in in my own little sphere, my own little neck, my coverage that, you know, I have to step up and things that I hadn't thought about and things I hadn't considered or getting a, uh, an even broader perspective on things. So, you know, it's like, it's a good place to be, 
You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm feeling it really, really, really well. Yeah, we have uh, quite the crew here, definitely. Yeah, and uh, you're, you're Canadian as well. I know that. Um, yes, you're from uh, Newfoundland, I believe. No. So, oh, <laughs> never mind. Is... <laughs> no, see, I, I love it because this is the thing. That, this, this is the thing that's going to. It's going to follow me for a while. I believe this because when I had when I had Joe Joe Lanz on on, on my podcast, um, we, we did a thing on the Jericho Vortex a few weeks ago. At this point. And, um, and I really regret not recording it, but in the, in the post recording banter that we were having, we were talking about Canada and I don't remember exactly how it came up, but we were talking about, you know, different types of employment and work that exists. And I, look, I don't, I, like I said, I don't exactly remember how it, uh, how it came up, but it somehow twisted into me living off the coast of Newfoundland clubbing baby seals for a living. And Joe has been running with this and he actually brought it up on a flagship a couple of weeks ago where I'm like, okay, it's, <laughs> this, this is what, this is the lore now that we're going with. So, um, you know, obviously he's going to, he's going to stick on that, which is fine, by the way, you know, it always gives us a little, a little topic, but I live in, I live in Quebec city. I live very much in the, the French environment of, uh, of the province and I do not bring harm to uh, baby animals for a living on a daily basis. That's not what I do. See, I knew about Joe's bit, but I thought the bit came out of you like actually being from Newfoundland. So that's <laughs> that was my mistake there. So I, I apologize, good sir, about that. But um, but no, you, you are from Quebec. You are from uh, yes, Griffin Pelletier exactly. territory. And you're part of the Canadian cluster at the site with Griffin and Gerard. And uh, we have all sorts of clusters here. You know, there's the Massachusetts people, there's the Chicago people, the Wisconsinites, the Canadians. Um, it's all very Dragon Gate esque with the different <laughs> units bouncing around there. But um, but yeah, look, Newfoundland, not Newfoundland. You're Canadian either way. So there you go. <laughs> exactly. And, and I mean, look, you know, uh, you know, I'll try not to take it personally because I don't know if you know this, right? But Newfoundland is kind of like the it's kind of like the joke of the country. I don't know if you know this. The only thing I know about Newfoundland is that they have their own unique accents, right? And it's also the setting of a TV show called Republic of Doyle. That's yes. That's kind of all I know really about the place. So yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's like like Newfoundland. Newfoundland is kind of like the New Jersey of Canada, in in the sense that we like to. It's very easy to make fun of them. Um, uh, you know the uh, the you know the, it's very easy to make fun of them there for the longest time. You know, uh, the rest of Canada would refer to people from Newfoundland as new feats. And that's, a, that's, I, I don't hear it as much. I think people like, you know, around my age probably know more about it than, you know, any current generation. But, you know, you, a new fee is, is someone who is inherently stupid, <laughs> essentially. Um, and just so happens that they're, you know, it's a direct reference to people from Newfoundland. And there's, so there's an entire, a subgenre of jokes that exists called newfie jokes that 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 have that are just that have permeated Canadian culture. Like for instance, you know, like you know, a newfie goes uh, goes into his job at the factory. It's ten thirty in the morning. The floor manager comes up to him and he says, "Hey, you should have been here at nine o'clock." And the newfie responds, "Why? What happened?" <laughs> so it's that kind of stuff. It's those kinds of those kind of dumb jokes. Um, so yeah, so. So I'm going to try to not take it too personally, 
from for you know expecting you know people thinking that I am from Newfoundland. But then again, that's also part of the bit. I don't really mind. Newfoundland is a is a lovely province. Well, if you need me to explain anything to you, I'll do my best, you, you dumb newfie. But uh, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding, kidding, of course, kidding. <laughs> um, moving on, moving on here. Uh, since it's your first time on the show here, Warren, I'll ask you this. Um, how did you become a wrestling fan? How would you get into it? Oh, gee, uh, I was um, – uh, so, um, I, like, I'm, 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 I'm bordering 50, right? So, 50 years old. So, when I was a kid, uh, I was first exposed to Lutte Internationale, right, the Montreal Territory. Uh, back in the day, you know, you, you'd go, you'd go to church and you'd come back, you'd turn on Télémétropole here in, in, in the province, which was the, 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 the national, the, the non-CBC Quebec national network. And, uh, and on Sunday mornings, you'd have uh, Lutte Internationale, basically. So, you know, the, the outfit that uh, Gino Brito and, uh, Andre the Giant and uh, Andre the Di- Giant, excuse me, and uh, uh, Dino Bravo had at the time. So I was exposed without really no- knowing it at the time to like NWA, AWA, a lot of those stars. Ricky Martel was my first, uh, my first favorite pro wrestler because he was big baby face in the territory at the time, uh, and uh, he was from my hometown as well, from Quebec. And you know, Quebec and Montreal have this rivalry. So throughout the throughout that that period of time, you know, Dino Bravo would represent Montreal, right? He'd be the Montreal guy, and Ricky would be the the guy from Quebec. So you'd really have the regional babyface, regional heel thing going. Ricky would go to Montreal, he'd get booed. Dino would come here, he'd get booed, and so that's how I got exposed. And then eventually, you know, things happen. WWF swallows everything up. So that's how I really. So then you know, the rest is history at that point. Uh, but that's how I got into it. Basically coming home from church Sunday morning, watching Lutte Internationale and uh, just getting into it. Cool, cool. And uh, has music played a big part in your fandom over the years? Um, I think it's, I think for a lot of people, okay, I don't want to speak for a lot of people. I'm going to speak for myself. I think it's inadvertent. Like, I don't think it's necessarily something that you, when it comes to wrestling themes that you think about. But when you do, you realize how much of an impact it does have on how excited you are for a wrestler, how, how you know, the, the, the rush of, of hormones that you get of, of, of good, like, you know, of dopamine when you hear, like, uh, a wrestler's theme kick, kick in, you know, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, it, you know, let's go even earlier than that, you know, Hogan with uh, Real American. And you realize at some point that, and I, uh, that music is really crucial to your appreciation of the the show of pro wrestling, the spectacle of pro wrestling, what you expect from it. Um, so I I wouldn't say like it's something that I realized like it was oh this is something that I that is really an integral component. But I think as as you get older, as you think about pro wrestling more, you're like yeah, you know what this was. Re- it turns out it was really essential. It does add so much to the presentation and, and to your appreciation of, of pro wrestling as well. Like, for instance, look, I'll give you a really good example of, of, of things, you know, like, um, I, re- like I remember, like, uh, here's something, like, you know, when you, do, when, to, to, to my point where you don't necessarily realize at the time, but then when you start realizing, you're like, Junkyard Dog, right? He had grab them cakes right the the in wwf that the 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 theme that he he performed for the wrestling album and whatnot 
But I remember him coming out on Saturday night's main event. I can't remember which match. It doesn't matter. It's not pretty to the point here. But he came out to um, uh, um, Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. And I was shocked by that. I was like, wait a second. This isn't his theme, you know? And then next thing I know, I'm hearing this song like on, you know, the classic rock radio or whatever. Well, it was classic rock, you know, 1987 or whatever. <laughs> you get my point. Like, you know, then I hear it on the radio and I'm like, wait a second. This was the song that Junkyard Dog was coming out to, you know? And that's always something that stuck with me. It was like, okay, this is very interesting. And, and then it begs the question, why did he come out to... Uh, to a Queen song on that Saturday night's main event when he had a theme song that WWF created for him that he used everywhere else. And you sort of get into this, this mindset. So, but again, without necessarily realizing, maybe this is one of these moments where I, where I, I started to realize that, you know, entrance themes, music did have an impact on it, uh, on my appreciation, or at least my, my experience watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we actually talked about Junkyard Dog using that Queen song many years ago on an episode with Jeff Hawkins. So there you go. Um, oh, bless you that- for working with Jeff, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we love Jeff. He's a good egg. He's a good yes, egg. Don't worry yes, about yes. that, folks. But um, but today, Warren, we're here to do another New Japan Grab Bag. This is number four of these. And uh, last episode, I did an AEW Grab Bag with Maura Johnston. And I figured Forbidden Door is a couple weeks away. It's the big AEW New Japan Super Show. Why not do a New Japan grab bag right now? So timing-wise, just makes sense. And um, I have to say, Warren, the last time I did a New Japan grab bag was early last year with Neil David. And, you know, back then things were still pretty shaky with Japan and the pandemic. Um, You know, more guys were coming in, sure, but it was still clap crowds. There were still restrictions. As of now, though, with open borders and cheering crowds are back and new people getting pushed and new stables and they're having all these great shows and great matches and forbidden doors real soon and the g1s next month i think you would agree i think a lot of people would agree new japan is back baby and it's back in a big way i i i there i think you know the the essential um like the only commentary really analysis you can have is like you said New Japan is back, comma, baby. Like, there's no other way to put it. Uh, it, it, The promotion hasn't felt this good, like, since Wrestle Kingdom, really, this year. Hasn't felt this good, this exciting in a long time. Uh, It it, it feels fresh, but, you know, on top of it all, it feels unpredictable. This is what's really great, and I think this is a feeling that's been permeating throughout the promotion, uh, for the past two to three months easily where it's just like, we don't know. We, we, we I, it feels like a lot of the old booking patterns are being thrown out the window and we're really trying out some new stuff here. And I'm all for it. Like this is really exciting. Best of super juniors was absolutely thrilling this year with a focus on new Japan guys. It's just showing that the talent is there. And now we're, we're getting into uh we're, we're getting into G1 season. There's a dozen new faces within or within the, the 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 tournament this year like look i don't think there's ever been a better time in recent memory for anyone to get into new japan like if you're a, if you're a new if you're new to it and you're wondering when a, when a 
uh, you know, how do I get into it? When should I start? I think right now is a good place to start because they're clearly putting up the foundations for the next 10 years of the company. And it's fantastic. It's really, really exciting. Might as well get into it right now because you're going to be set for, for, for another 10 years. It's really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've got Okada versus Danielson and Osprey versus Omega 2 at Forbidden Door. I mean, what what more do you need? You know, I mean, come on. I, but like, I, got, yeah. I, I, I got goosebumps when when that when when Okada and Danielson was announced, knowing on top of that, that I'm going to be there. Like, how many times in your wrestling fandom, Andrew, will you have the opportunity to see a truly defining generational match, right? With two guys who are you know, arguably, well, you know, Okada at the peak, you know, and Danielson still somehow being uh, Brian Danielson, you know, despite despite being more advanced in age, like, we're not like, we're not going to see Danielson and Okada, like in 2036, when the guys are breaking down, and it's an it's an attraction match. No, we're seeing the guys like still at the peak. How many times are, do, are we do we have this opportunity as fans to to see a match like this, I'm so excited about it. Yeah, not not many times, not many times. Um, it's very much a, a pinch me, I'm dreaming kind of match. Um, and, and things were looking real bleak too for New Japan for a long time. I mean, during the dark days of the pandemic, where you had all these clap crowds and they're doing like these five or six match shows, the matches are going way too long to fill the time, and they're running the dome with like five thousand people in it, and it's just it was not good at all. And a lot of people jump ship. And I don't necessarily blame them either, but I think now it's time to say, come back on board. You know, we've got Gene Blast Yoda Suji. You know, we've got just five guys and their awesome theme song. You know, we've got Moxley back in Japan. We've got Okada being just the absolute biggest prick to these young guys and, and so much more good stuff. I mean, even House of Torture is way, way, way more tolerable now that fans can actually boo them instead of just stare at them in silence. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all very refreshing and it's great to see, you know, um, as the Urukai would say, that the meat is back in the menu, boys. You know, so <laughs> it's great. And, and yeah, it's unpredictable, but it's unpredictable in a good way. Like, it's not Vince Russo, swerve upon, swerve upon, swerve. Oh, it's also crazy and hectic and chaotic. No, it's unpredictable, but yet fresh and exciting. And you want to see what happens next, Warren. Yeah, that, that's a really good point that you bring up. Like, it's not swerving for the sake of swerving. You're just like, there's, there, you know, there's some legitimate bold booking decisions that Gato is putting through here uh, that uh, that are compelling. You know, that are just that 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 are captivating, and you're wondering where we're going with this. I mean, you know, you don't have to look any further than the Dominion main event. Uh, so, you know, it it keeps us on our toes, keeps us talking, and. Isn't that what you want out of your professional wrestling promotion? I think so. I believe so. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. So let's get to the themes here, Warren. Uh, We have 10 on the docket, uh, starting with the first one here for the Roughneck, the Shooter, Shota Umino, uh, John Moxley's first kid. Uh, And uh, Umino's theme is by Inosuke Kitamura. This is Shooter.
so no surprise here that the uh, Once in Future Aces theme is uh, heavily modeled after the old Aces theme, Tanahashi. I think the Tana influence is uh, quite clear here with the big, energetic, gusto rock music, but I think there's also a little bit more of an edge to it, too. I think there's a little bit of a harder slant here, which, you know, if I can put on my, uh, my English major bullshit hat, um, I think there's the Moxley influence in this one. So it's trying to trying to channel both worlds. I think there, Warren. I think so. I, I, I think the um, I think the Tanahashi aspect of it comes out a little more because look, I mean, you know, you know, <laughs> you, know, you know, we don't want to call him a clone, right? But geez, New Japan, you're you're not making it easy on us to not draw the parallels, right? You know, there's those there's those tasty tasty solo guitar licks, right? You know, and that I really like. You know, what I really like them because they're really a cross between you know a New Japan theme and you know those anime opening credits, right? Where the you know you have all the stuff happening at once and these really fast edits zooming through the characters and you have these this this crazy guitar section going through and I really like it. Um, but you know, like. If you go about 45 seconds into the song, right? The like the rhythm peak picks up frenetically, right? Like there's a, there's there's like a there's an up uptake in, the, in in I guess the 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 BPM and and I don't know if it fits Shoda overall because he comes like when he comes out he's you know, he waves to the crowd, he he's not like high energy, high voltage, you know, he's like, "Yeah, let's let's go." He comes out and he's, you know, slapping a few hands and he walks <laughs> around but he doesn't have like that you know like like a like a, a certain someone likes to say he's not grabbing the moment by the throat right and i feel like the song has a a little too much energy for what shoda at least right now conveys to the audience if that makes sense oh yeah i mean that's kind of been the knock against whom we know ever since he came back from excursion you know he's trying to be too many things at once you know he's tanahashi no, he's Moxley. He's the roughneck, but he's also a pretty boy. He wears the white jacket, but he also carries the black Death Rider jacket, too. He's coming out with all these accoutrements to give to kids. You know, it's it's all jumbled up, and it's been, you know, kind of a hindrance for him in a lot of ways. And I think the music, perhaps, unintentionally plays into that, too, just a little bit. So, um, I mean, the thing is, too, you know, a lot of guys, they come back from excursion, and there are still some growing pains. They do take a while to grow into their roles, so I think it's been a pretty fair critique of him, but it's also pretty common for New Japan guys just in general, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, the more we talk about it right now, the more I'm realizing it kind of, it fits him. Because <laughs> <You know, laughs> he's, he's in a bit of this identity crisis where, you know, I feel like there's many people telling him many things at once. Um, you know, because like, because you're right, you know, like uh, he comes out with the white gear, and then he has like underneath the 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 Mox shooter T-shirt, right? Like that that we saw at uh, at Dominion, and and you know he's clearly allies with the BCC, and the BCC are not about showmanship. It's not about pretty boys. It's about beating people up. Um, yes, he does still carry the the leather jacket. You know, yes, he's still he's still very much. Um, uh, he's the 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 John Moxley rub from that G one is still very very present in his presentation, but 
it feels like a little like a little hodgepodge right now so i guess you know maybe his theme song right now does fit him you know maybe because we're we're still trying to figure him out he's you know we want him to be this but he acts like that yeah i you know, I I don't. Th- that being said, I love the theme. I think it's great. You know, yeah. Like, I think I, I think as a wrestling theme itself, I think it's very well constructed. I think it's um, it, it's one of my favorite of the recent batch of of um, of themes. Let's say over the past you know eighteen months, let's give it uh, let's give it that sort of range. Um, but. Uh, it, it, does it really fit Shota? Well, you know, who is Shota Umino? Let let's tie that down first, and and and, and then we'll see how the theme sticks. Mm-hmm. I will say though that this Okada feud has gotten him on the right track, at least. Yes. I, I, not just him, but also Okada too. I mean, the asshole, prick, grumpy veteran Okada has been an absolute blessing to watch. You know, him having to deal with all these annoying kids like Umino and Narita and Kiyomiya. It's been so much fun, and the G1's coming up soon. They're all going to be in it, and I hope that they're on the same block because that would just be a real hoot and a holler war, and that's for sure. <laughs> that that At the time that we're recording this, the blocks have not been announced, and this is what I, I am hoping Okada is in a block with all the kids. That's, that's what I'm most looking forward to. Maybe, I don't know, throw Kenta in there for, you know, I don't know, but just all the punk kids in the Okada block. That's what I'm most looking forward to. I hope they do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, up next, we have a tag team theme for Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher, Aussie Open of the United Empire, uh, who were both IWGP and Strong Tag Team Champions before they had to vacate them due to injury. And um, now they're signed to AEW, so it's been uh, quite the month for them, that's for sure. Uh, Their theme is by Mikey Ruckus, and it's called Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. There's ever a song that would be perfect for an Australian Jewish wrestler. It's this. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. It's perfect, Warren. It really is. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, this is actually a pre-AEW Mucky Ruckus song. He did a bunch of them for Rev Pro and Brit Rez and the like. And um, Ozzy Open's indie theme was Close Your Eyes and Count to Fuck by Run the Jewels. So... You can definitely hear the influence in that regard, I think, Warren. <laughs> well, you brought that up, you know, in, in the notes, and I did not know that. First, I didn't even, I didn't realize 
that uh, that Aussie Open used some Run the Jewels uh, songs, or at least a song for 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 their for their entrance. And then when you when I saw that in the notes, I was like, hell yeah, that's why I like the bass line so much. It's <laughs> <laughs> like this is why this is why I I, I dig this song so much because you can absolutely feel that influence in here, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the only theme song to ever reference Orville Redenbacher, Chewbacca, Waka Flocka Flame, and Lawrence Taylor all in the same verse. That, that's the kind of lyrical penmanship I can appreciate there, Warren, absolutely. But um, but yeah, not a lot of lyrics in this, just kind of the one verse there. I think the Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi part does a bunch of heavy lifting and um, but it's a fun chant and the, the boom part is fun too. So yeah, all in all, it's a fun little song, Warren. I really like it. You know, obviously it's, you know, it's all, you know, they play off the, the, you know, the, the Oz, the Australian sports battle cry, you know, that that's used across multiple uh, sporting genres. Um, I don't watch sports. So I don't know how do you call them otherwise, but sporting genres, that's probably not it. Um, sports. Okay. That too. <laughs> <laughs> that, that probably works. Um, no, this, uh, so, um, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a strong theme uh, because there is the chant part to it, and it does get the crowd into it. And Kyle Fletcher has started using it more and more in matches as well, right? Doing the the, the direct connection there, so I think that's good. I also think you, what I really I think appreciate the most here is that we didn't feel the necessity to to you know go all you know, Australian cliches with the song either, right? We're not going back to a, to a, you know, an Outback Jack <laughs> style, you know, theme. Um, no didgeridoos in this one. No, Exactly, no. <laughs> you know, and not, you know, talking about wallabies and whatnot. Like, for real though, like, I appreciate that because I feel like it's still a slippery slope in wrestling sometimes. Uh, and I feel like this is, you know... M- maybe an indication that you know well maybe we're maybe we're we're capable of going past that you know we're still like i said we're still referencing a very clear you know the ozzy 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 oi 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 chant is still very still very much associated with the country but at least we're we're moving along from that you know we're moving away from that which by the way i i found out fairly recently and that um, Outback Outback Jack's theme is an actual like real song that was recorded like in the fifty like in the sixties, right? Rolf Harris, right? Who, who unfortunately his the later part of his career was a little or or of his life was a little mired with uh, some unfortunate bad behavior on his part. But uh, I didn't even realize that. Like it's a, it's an actual. Timey Timey Kangaroo Down is a is a song. Did you know this? Uh, I'm not familiar with the themes of Outback Jack, but um, I think I've heard the name Rolf Harris before. So yeah, he's yeah. like a he, he's like a he he's a recording artist, an Australian recording artist, and did you know did this song as a you know somewhat folk folky thing, and then was sort of he's been he he was all over like. Australian media he did cartoon shows and all sorts of stuff and then in the latter part of well like, like a few years ago it was found out that uh, well he he delved into he was a naughty boy yeah. yeah 
yeah, not necessarily great, but yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just happy to learn that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not going down the Outback Jack theme this, uh, or styles here. I, it makes a lot of sense and it's good actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, now Aussie Open are signed to AEW, which uh, isn't too big of a shock given that they've had one foot in the TK verse for quite a while now. Um, and I know that New Japan fans aren't necessarily happy about this and for good reason. But listen, when you don't have guys tied to a contract, these things can happen. I mean, look at Carl Anderson and that whole debacle. Um, I mean, at least with AEW, they can still work New Japan. And I know they want to and they will. But yeah, if you're AEW, this is just a no-brainer signing warrant. Oh, God. And and I mean, look, you know, we can, we can make an argument for, you know, the tag team division in AEW. You know, was it really that has it really been that good over the past year or so, maybe a little more. But I mean... AEW was open with the had opened with the premise of this is going to be the place for tag team wrestling, right? And I think it still carries that reputation because uh, it was or or that reputation slash expectation from fans because that's something that we were promised from the get go. You are going to have great tag team wrestling, so you sign Aussie Open. That to me is a statement that we are committed in AEW to bringing you great tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. Theme number three, and it's for a member of LIJ, El Immortal Titan, who was just in the finals of this year's Best of the Super Juniors. Titan's theme is by Inosuke Kitamura, and it's called Dios Antiguo. <laughs> So before this song, they would have to dub over Teton's CMLL theme, uh, which is Under the Northern Star by Amana Marth, which is a little bit different than this one, I think, uh, especially with those growly vocals. But but if Teton is going to be more of a regular New Japan moving forward here, it makes total sense to give him his own proper New Japan theme. I think this is pretty good. It's not the most complex song in the world, but it still sounds you know, very epic with the melody, the... And the choir in there too. It's it's pretty good stuff, Warren. I think. Yeah, the the yeah at, at about twenty five seconds in, you have that great swell. You know that great musical, like uplifting swell, which is great because it it feels epic, right? Like a god, right? The, like Dios Antiguo means ancient god. So, uh, and and he's Titan, a Titan. You, you, we can make all sorts of relations here. Like you know, all of this sort of connects. It it, it all makes sense. Does, does Titan and, and again, like I, I haven't noticed, does he come out before the swell, like the twenty-five? Because I, I feel he should come out at that moment when you, when, when we, when we get to that big 
epic moment, that's when he should pop out behind the curtain. I don't know if he, if that's part of his presentation or not. And, and if you don't know, Andrew, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, I'm just wondering out loud. It's like right now, does he do that? Because I think it'd be, I think it, it'd work really well in that, uh, in that form of the presentation. Um, but yeah, huge scale, right? It feels, it feels epic. It's soaring, maybe not the most complex, but it has the atmosphere. It has the feel. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, it, it, it works for, for, uh, it, it works for what he wants to present himself as, I believe. Right. Yeah. And the song, it reminds me a lot of, uh, Kenta's first New Japan theme, Overture. Um, I mean, it's the same guy doing it, obviously, but the guitar tone is the same. It's same kind of sweeping heroic atmosphere too. Um, and naturally, Titan is a much different wrestler than Kenta is, of course. But I think it still works for him as this, you know, very vibrant, colorful luchador and that kind of uh, over the top atmosphere in a way. So, um, and yeah, you mentioned the name Dios Antiguo, right? Spanish for old god. Titans are the pre-Olympus gods, Greek mythology. So. All in all, pretty clever stuff from Mr. Kitamura there, Warren. Yeah, overall, I, yeah, I think it's uh, there. There's some thought that was put into this, and it all works together. It all makes sense. No, I, I, I like it. I like it, and I, you know, uh, Titan obviously is coming off of a fantastic showing at the Best of Super Juniors uh, this year, so he's, um, you know, it, 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 I think he has. I think I, I think his theme suits him more than ever now seeing that he's had such a fantastic tournament and a great final. Um, yeah, you, you, uh, I think it all, uh, it all connects. It works really well and it works well in the context of, uh, of where he is right now in New Japan. Hope it keeps, uh, hope it keeps staying epic and soaring for him. Mm, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Titan, I thought had a great tournament and that finals against Wato was incredible. I mean, that just, the crowd was going bonkers for that match and, the matches with Speedball and Despy and whatnot, those are great too. And I've been a fan of Teton for a while now, so I'm happy to see him, you know, get the recognition finally and, and really find his way to New Japan too, Warren. For sure. Theme number four, and it's for the leader of Bullet Club, or one of them anyway. There's quite a few running around, I guess, now. But mm -hmm. uh, it's for David Finley, the Rebel, uh, current Never Openweight Champion. And uh, Finley's theme is by Kubrick. This song is called Generations. This is the first proper heel theme of the episode, and it's pretty obvious, I think. You know, it's very sinister sounding, has that ominous melody and the slower pace to it. Uh, talking about full savage generations, dance with me, it's going to be a nightmare. And it's definitely leaning into the more dangerous killers and savages era of Bullet Club that Finley is, you know, part of. 
Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, uh, Warren, but at the beginning, there's that sound of someone exhaling. It sounds a lot like the one from Jay White's theme, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Just, I noticed that, you know, at the beginning there. But, but yeah, you know, David Finley is now an evil, evil man, and this is an evil, evil song, Warren. You, you don't, you, there's no, uh, like, this is the equivalent of the bad guys in old westerns wearing black hats. Like, there is no question here that this guy is ill-intentioned and has no goodwill, right? This is a this is a bad dude. Like, they wanted to make sure that we understood that Dave Finley was a bad dude. So they have him wear this, you know, the pauldron, you know, with the spikes, whatever you want to call it there, but in, in his gear, you know, so he looks, so, you know, so, so he looks like, you know, like he's, you know, we mentioned orcs earlier. Are we having a theme here going? But, you know, kind of like coming out of Mordor in Middle Earth. And then we have this pretty dark, foreboding song. You know, there's nothing subtle about it. But I don't think there's anything subtle about what they want to do with Dave Finley here. And Dave Finley himself says, look, I just want, I want this Bullet Club to beat people up. That's essentially what he's been saying. I just want savages that's the word he's been using it's like you mentioned it's even in the lyrics of the song um he uh it's 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 in your face i i like it it's aggressive it's a very angry song but it all it it, it works with the persona that david finley has right now which is exactly that just wants to come in wants to prove himself wants to beat people up wants to elevate bullet club not new japan not you know bullet club that's what he's that, that's what he's there for uh, and he's just a bad guy. There's, it'll be hard to find any redeeming qualities with a theme song like that, you know? Yeah, and what's notable too is that this is the third David Finley theme in a year because he had the rock and roll theme, the, you know, the wow, yeah. Then he became the rebel and got uh, Final Warning, that kind of post-hardcore kind of sounding song. Now he's got this. So it's been kind of a, a noticeable and a quick descent for Finley's themes into becoming more and more aggressive and, and more and more heelish until, you know, we got this one, which is, you know, full heel worn. No, I, and, you know, I guess it shows, <clears throat> I guess it maybe there's a, uh, it, it shows how they, you know, they were trying stuff out with Finley and they probably saw a window of opportunity, you know, with the, the departure of, of, of Jay White and a re-envisioning of Bullet Club, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this wasn't the, the, such a long-term plan after all, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes you, you, you know, you react to things, you try stuff out, you see a window of opportunity, you take it, you try some things out. Um, I'm not saying this as a knock that everything has to be planned out over 12 months. Otherwise it stinks. That's not what I'm saying. But um, yeah, maybe this is a, also an indication of what they were trying to do with them. They were trying to baby face them. I wasn't quite wor- working out. They gave him two things to try and babyface him. It wasn't quite working out. Well, all right, let's let let's go down. Let's go down this path then. And as it stands right now, I think it's the most interesting Dave Finley has been. Uh, and uh, I, I think his theme song has. I, I, look, I honestly think this is going to stick with him for a while, and it should because I think it works. He's the more. He's the. He's as an extension of his personality right now, and his personality is at, is at its most compelling, I think as an extension of his personality, it has to stay with him because it, it everything's sort of falling into place very, very uh, gently, smoothly. 
You know, I, yeah, I, I know he, he has to win over. There's a lot of people he still has to win over, but I think the, the parts are there. The actions are there. I think we're moving into a, uh, um, into an environment where David Finley is going to be, uh, he's going, he's going to, uh, uh, grow into this bullet club leader role, uh, tremendously and he's going to be undeniable at some point to steal someone else's uh, uh catchphrase i guess um but he is going to be undeniable at this point so i think i think they have the formula for all the elements of his presentation here to stick it'll be up to him then to 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 dive right in or not mm-hmm. yeah i've been enjoying this bullet club Finley run myself uh not so much with the matches per se because they've been more about the character work and, and getting over the viciousness of the character and all that, as opposed to having like five star classics. But the character work itself, I think he's been damn good at it, and he's been confident and natural with it. And I do like this new iteration of Bullet Club with him and Connors and Maloney and Bloody Hands, Gato, and the rest, where it's not about looking cool and wearing t-shirts; it's about kicking ass, you know. And yeah, I know there are a lot of people who still don't really care about David Finley, which. You know, when you finally give a long-time mid-cutter a push, that's the risk, you know? There are people who just won't care about them. Same with Sonata. But as far as I'm concerned, I've been enjoying it. So that that's my take, Warren, anyway. Yeah, no, I've been digging it uh, as well. I think it's... Uh, I think that everything they're doing with Bullet Club right now... Uh, look, Bullet Club hasn't felt this renewed or fresh in years at this point. Like, we're, we have to go back pre-Jay White for this. Like, you know, Jay White stuff was fine, but wasn't like anything remarkable either we really have to go back a ways you know to think about how bullet club was fun and exciting and you know at least look they're not sticking with the status quo andrew they're trying stuff out you can't blame and you 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 got to get behind that yeah yeah well uh speaking of changing things up uh our next theme is both a singles theme and a stable theme uh this is for zach saber jr and the mighty don't kneel tmdk uh, Zach joined TMDK at the start of the year as the frontman of the group uh, when it became New Japan World TV Champion. Uh, this song is by the band Mass Lines from the album Personality Cult. This is Young Punks. So I'll say off the bat here that I do miss Zach's old theme, Real Bone Master. I love that song. But I do understand that they're trying to make a clean break here from the Suzuki Goon era of Zach to this, you know, blonde Team DK era of Zach. So, you know, getting a new song here to symbolize that change makes sense. And it's still a very Zack Sabre Jr. song. You know, this obscure British punk band right up his alley, no doubt about it. <laughs> and... Musically, it does fit very well with the 
uh, frat boy vibes that this iteration of TBK is going for. So, I will miss Real Bone Master, of course, but this song is still working very well for this, you know, uh, group and what they're going for with Zack of the Helm, Warren. I, I think it, it fits Zack so much, you know? I, th I think it is very much in tone with Zack Sabre Jr. He's, uh, you know, well, first and foremost, like, you know, in all the themes we're talking about today, this is probably my favorite because it is right up my alley. You know, very, you know, 80s style DIY punk rock scene, you know, very Clash-like Stooges, the Damn, the, the New York Dolls, you know, we're in that type of vibe, right? So, you know, I, you know, and when you feel like that energy, you know, you listen to the song and what does it give off? You know, some, you know, cockiness, smarminess, smash mouth. If, look, if that ain't Zack Sabre Jr., you know, if that doesn't define him, um, then, you know, we probably don't, you know, we probably don't vibe on the same things because that's exactly who he is. I find this connects so well with his personality. And I agree, like the, you know, his previous theme was, like he had had it for so long as well, instantly identifiable with him. You know, it's like, it just made perfect sense. But yes, you know, this is the snap. We're moving away from Suzuki-gun. This is his thing now. Um, I couldn't think of anything that just fits him better and gives the entire vibe. And yeah, the frat boy vibe, you know, the, the it, it all... It all just comes together on this song. I I love it. I think I, personally, like this is my favorite theme we're talking about today, um, because I think like in and about itself, I think this, the, the the song holds really well all in and about itself. It it vibes very much with my own personal tastes, and it just meshes so well with Saber. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. it, it's funny though, musically it works, but if you read the lyrics. This is not a wrestling theme so much as it is like a punk rock midlife crisis. <laughs> you know, like, can't think. Bad TV and other people's lives on the Instagram and Facebook feeds got me fatigued. Another night holed up inside. So we hit the streets and walked around routes we've run into the ground a thousand times before. Penned in by city walls and narrow trains of thought. Inspiration left us cold. The nine to five took what's yours. Late nights and the early starts left you feeling short like that mounting stack of bills. 40-hour weeks, fell into a set routine, lose sleep, gotta keep the pace, there'll always be targets to meet, bills to pay, and mouths to feed. Not a lot of Zacky boy, bloody tekkas, mates, in that <laughs> song there, but, um, but, but then I again, mean, Zach used to come out to an Idols song, so it's it's kind of par for the course, I suppose there, Warren. I, 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 like, I, I'm completely with you <clears throat> on the lyrics part, but like this lines up with Zach's politics, right? It's that it lines up with his, you know, with his own personal visions and belief system. Like all of this, like I said, there's, it, it jives so much with Zach Sabre Jr. It's, it's preposterous. <laughs> it's like, it, 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 they, they didn't write this for him, but they damn well could have. Uh, it, it just, everything connects. It just makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, all we need is a reference to Tories, and we'll be good, you know? Just to yeah, exactly. Check some, all the boxes some, there, so, yeah. Yeah, some Boris Johnson jokes, and we would have been off to the races on that one. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Team DK, they're a fun group. You know, Zach and Mikey and Shane and Robbie Eagles and Bad Dude Tito one. and uh, 
the hysterical the one. hysterical Shane Haste, of course, yes, and <laughs> Ichiban Sweet Boy, the whole gang, and uh, this song does a good job of really setting the group's tone. You know, like House of Torture with their evil spooky goth music or Bullet Club or whatever. This song does a good job of telling you what the group feels like. So, uh, yeah, good song, Warren, for sure. That that's a really good point you bring out because you know a lot of uh, you know a lot of wrestling themes, uh, uh, a lot of wrestling themes in general, but you know the ones that Mister Kitamura is putting together, very guitar riff heavy, right? Lots of solos and so. On. So this one does stand out, right? Because it it completely breaks that mold. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, thank you. Um... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network theme number six and it's for the android alex coglin uh the newest member or one of them anyway of bullet club uh part of the war dogs with gabriel kidd and uh, Coughlin's theme, or at least his most recent one, is by Golden Hymns Sing Hurrah. This is The Android.
boy, did we pick the wrong time to talk about this song, because uh, Coughlin just turned heel and joined Bullet Club, so he probably won't use this one for much longer, if at all, but we'll see. Um, but regardless, it's a very interesting song, I think, because it sounds so much like it's from some, you know, 80s sci-fi B-movie, and that fits because the original android gimmick and outfit with the mask and the metal vest and the turrets on the back they looked straight out of an 80s sci-fi B-movie. So, say what you will about the song, it, it fit the gimmick at least, Warren, that's for sure. <laughs> that's exactly the best way to put it, uh, because uh, like, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of glad that he dumped the the, the accoutrements, the costume. Uh, they look pretty you silly. Know, in the, yeah, yeah. In, just in, in, in the context. You know, because there's, there's a lot of things that, you know... New Japan does well, and one of the things that it hasn't quite nailed down, and maybe some people will say it's to their credit, and I think I would agree with them, but one of the things that they don't do very well is the sports entertainment aspect of it, right? The the showmanship aspect of, uh, of sometimes you'll see on WWE, for instance, that work out better because they have the production, they have the camera angles, they've done this before, whatever. Um... You know, since New Japan is more used to shooting this as more quote-unquote sports style, well, there's some things that don't come across as well. And I think that's one of the things that helped, that didn't help the, the, the Android uh, look get across because it wasn't uh, wasn't particularly shot well, wasn't particularly lit well, whatever, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an interest. like you said, it's interesting because it did fit the gimmick. Um, I find it's one that's very difficult to get into. Like, it doesn't get me hyped. It doesn't get me excited. It's not, like, I feel it. it's probably my least favorite one in the bunch that we're talking about today in the, in the grab bag. Um, despite the fact that, you know, there's a personal connection in this song to, to Coughlin as well. Despite the fact that I really like Alex Coughlin and I feel like he's... You know, he's on the cusp of something. If he can just nail it down, maybe this Bullet Club thing will help him help him out. But uh, yeah, it's just one that doesn't do much for me as a wrestling theme, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, it does have one of my favorite things, which is the female singer for the male wrestler theme. I do love that. And you hinted at it. Uh, the singer of this is Coglin's sister, Sam. And the band used to play with Coglin too. So there's that personal connection there for sure. Um, the thing is, though, the mixing isn't that great, mm -hmm. so it's kind of hard to decipher the lyrics, really. Um, what I could make out is, prepare to be destroyed, there's nowhere to hide from the eyes of the android. And Coglin has those you know, giant, crazy eyes of his that he opens real wide, he looks like a proper psychopath, so there is good writing there, I think. But yeah, overall, this is one where I like the idea of it a lot, but the execution, not so great. And, and to be fair... They're an indie band. I'll, I'll give them that leeway. But, sure. Um, yeah, it, it could have been done better production-wise. But, but again, I do like the female singer for the male wrestler. Uh, I, you know, and I don't want to completely bury the thing either. It's just like, you know, it doesn't jive with me as much as a lot of the uh, other songs that we're talking about here. Like, it does have feeling. It does have texture. There is something going on here. There's thought behind it. You know, we're not, you know, diving into the... Uh, diving into the... Uh, 
into the Creative Commons bin of wrestling themes, you know, on a royalty-free website. That's not what we're doing here. Um, you know, just to make sure that that I'm clear on that. It's just, it, you know, I appreciate the I appreciate the, the 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 connection. I appreciate what it's what it probably meant to him to allow his his friends, his family, to get in on this as well. I think it was a nice nod. Does it work out? Ah, I don't know. But like you said, you know, maybe this is all a moot point because he's yeah. going to get the, you know, the, the war dogs are going to get their own, their own theme and that's going to be that for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know everyone kind of rolls their eyes at, oh, another new Bullet Club member. And, and I, I get it, but I am glad that him and Gabriel Kidd are getting more of a shine here because um, they're really good and they've toiled away on those New Japan Strong undercards for way too long. So... If this is what it takes to get them a proper push and get them in a spotlight with, you know, Bishamon and the tag champs, then, hey, Bullet Club for life, I guess, Warren. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, look, that's what we're doing right out the gate. Like, the, the guys have never had, like, uh, you know, in Japan, as far as I know, they've never wrestled as a tag team in Japan. And they're... They were in com- a World Tag League last year. Oh, they were in World so. Tag League. Okay. No, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Well, look, they're coming out the gate here, joining New Japan, and they're going to be... They're, they're they're up next for the for the tag titles. I mean, they're this is this is going to be fine. They're going to be fine, you know. Like straight out the gate, we're going to be okay. Even if they don't win them out yeah, at their first try, which they actually might too, the way Gato is booking these days, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be the best possible outcome for both of them. And and you know, I am very much into giving all of these new. Uh, these new directions that we're going in a chance because it, it because just because of how fresh it is, you know, and I know, you know, Coughlin had maybe some issues getting over with the, with the Android stuff, which everyone thought was a little silly. And, you know, Gabriel kid has had his own, you know, issues on, on his own. So, but you know, let if, if there was ever a moment where it feels like, okay, we're wiping the slate clean and we're trying out something new right now is exactly that coming into bullet club challenging for the titles. Yeah. Let's, let's see where this, where this takes us. I'm excited about it because both of these guys are great. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Moving on now to our next song and it's for another United Empire guy, TJP one half of catch two, two with the good Italian boy, Francesco Akira, uh, the junior tag team champions. TJP's theme is by The Heroes Lie, and it's called Where's Your Hero Now? getting a bit emo here getting a bit moody but it's tjp you know he dresses and looks like a moody emo boy 
Um, I, I think to quote the man himself, if there was a color that was darker than black, he would wear it. And, you know, he is almost 40, mind you, but he looks and wrestles like a man who's 25 years old. It's incredible. And, and to be honest, who amongst us isn't still jimmying out to Black Parade, Warren? Okay, let's, let's be real. <laughs> Not that's a fair that's a fair question to ask and yes absolutely um, yeah and he wrestles like he's in his twenties brother he still looks like he's in his twenties like I I think TJP is going to be one of these people who like physically you know, will never age go back and look at what he looked like during the cruiserweight classic the, the dude hasn't changed you know what I mean so it it it, it all connects and you know. I, I always get a giggle when I hear his his theme start because it is so very much him, very much emo. You know, and I even think I, I drew some comparisons with with Seether. You know if you remember that band? Oh yes, of course. Uh, you know, and I went back and I listened to a few of their songs. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? We're we're kind we're we're close. You know, there may be a little more new metal than emo, but you know, I feel like there was a there's there, there, there's some. They're, 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 we're on the same uh, level field here between uh, between this song and what what, what Cedar would put out. Um, but I mean, look, it, it completely works for him, right? It, it's like you said, you know, he's his thing is he's emo. He you know he wears the hoodie, the hoodie with the with the the spine exposed in the back. You're like, okay, you know, I get it. That's it's fine, you know, it's fine. But like you said, like he still wrestles like he's, he it, he wrestles like he's of the age of listening to that kind of music. <laughs> it's just, so it, it works for him. And I, and he's, and he still looks very young. And man, isn't it crazy? You know, when you think about his, his WWE presentation, right? When he was Cruiserweight Champion, it was the video games and the, you know, the 8-bit theme it's nuts how much of a you know just the com diametrically opposite we are now and maybe this is maybe this is by design too right i suppose yeah i mean he's no longer the clean-cut uh video game guy he's the public enemy you know he's going for that kind of darker slant and and you know any any emo jokes aside this is a good song i think um, i i never heard of the heroes alive before but um they're big wrestling fans apparently and they do have a history with TJP, too, because he used one of their songs in the Cruiserweight Classic way back when. So there's that connection there. Interesting. And it does have the anthemic chorus and the dour lyrics about, you know, cowards. You thought they were brave, but they're running away. Where is your hero now? Your heroes are nowhere in sight. Um, so yeah, it's proper moodiness going on here. But uh, but again, it's, it's a good song, and uh, it is very different than his uh, WWE themes. And uh, his first New Japan theme, too, the uh, the Mega Rant song, which was also mm -hmm. very uh, uh, video game-inspired for him. Yeah, maybe he was just tired of that and ready to move on to something which is closer to him, and I think, I think it works out. I think it's all connecting really well with this, you know, with what he's doing today as well. Like, uh, you know... Say what you want about TJP and his personal beliefs and his own brand of nonsense that he puts out there, but uh, you know he is going—he's probably going to go down as one of these, one of the best wrestlers we've ever had that will never get the full proper credit for being as good as he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for the man's basketball takes, but you know, uh, <laughs> I am a big fan of him in the ring, him and Akira too, as the tag team. 
I think Catch Two Two, along with Aussie Open, are like you know the best tag teams in the world at this point, really. And um, oh, absolutely. You know, as long as they don't that. ask Dan Maloney for bubble tea, they'll be okay. I think just don't do that, guys. You'll be fine. But uh, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, Catch Two Two, TJP, just awesome wrestling all around, really, Warren. Yeah, absolutely. Theme number eight, and it's for another tag team here: the current IWGP and Strong Tag Team Champions, Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi, the lads, as we call them. Uh, Bishamon's theme is by Kazushin. I think that's how you say it. K-A-Z-S-I-N. This is War God. Bishamon is the Japanese name for a Buddhist god of war, hence war god, there you go. And uh, it manages to be a very good mashup theme for Goto and Yoshihashi because it combines the epic, badass, traditional East Asian warrior music and the hard rock stuff from Goto's theme with the uh, unnecessarily long intro from Yoshihashi's theme. So it's really the best of both worlds there, Warren, but uh, yeah, this is a real kick-ass song, I think. Rich, when you when when you sent me the notes, did I just call you Rich Andrew? Sorry, you have two. You have well, you, you have two one of my names, names. right? <laughs> What's that? You got one of my names right at least. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you have two first names. What, what do you what do you want from me, um, Andrew? When I when I when I got the when, when you sent me the notes and all the files and I listened to the and I listened to the song, I never realized how absolutely wild this theme is, and it's. It's instantly become like one of my favorite theme songs uh, in wrestling right now, because you know when once you go back the once you go past I should say the um, the very long intro you know which harkens back to Yoshihashi's unnecessarily long theme entrance intro. Uh, once you get past that, it just turns into something absolutely bonkers just like this mashup of of old and new like you know you've got the uh the um what uh, the you know the instruments uh the uh, uh shakuhachi i think is what the wind instrument is called and the shamisen which is the the, the string instrument that starts at first and then it all so good like it is so so good um and you know, I think like Bishamon, Bishamon at first was you know a tag team, and I'm like, all right, these these guys are fine, whatnot. But they've really grown on me, and maybe this connects to what I was saying. You know, when we were talking at the very very start of the show, it was like maybe the theme song 
helped them grow on me. And I didn't really realize the impact the theme song was having on me, you know, because when I listened to the song and it about itself, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put this on my, I'm going to put this on my workout rotation because it rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a kick-ass song. Like I said. Yeah. And, uh, and actually Kazushin, uh, they're the same duo who did Goto's singles theme and Naito's theme too. Yes. yes. And, uh, and that's it, I think. So they've got a pretty good hit rate there, I'd say. Um, and, those and are other also, two, those are other two theme songs that I absolutely, absolutely adore. So I, if anything, I'm consistent right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it also, it, it feels a little, um, I guess Nakamura-esque in a way, you know, that kind of blending of, of the old and the new there. And, uh, there's even a Nakamura sound effect at the end of the clip there. So, um, there's that connection there too, but, but really, you know, the blending of the traditional and the more modern rock stuff. That's always been kind of Goto's thing anyway, too. So, um, yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. And they and, lean uh, into it. They lean into it into the presentation as well, right? Where they come out with more traditional, uh, you know, robes. And, you know, I know, I know they're the staffs that they have. They're not bow sticks. I know, I don't remember what the term is exactly, but, you know, they come out with, you know, they, they lean into it a lot more, which is what, again, that was, Go that was part and parcel for Goto as well. That was his thing, but I feel like it's even they've 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 even upped that part of the presentation. Like not even Goto himself was had this uh, rich presentation. So everything everything works here for a team that has come together and just really has it's won me over and won a lot of people over just from being two singles guys in chaos working together to. No, no, these guys are an actual great tag team uh, that should be in conversations. Um, it's it, it all works. It all comes together, and it they feel important. They look important. The theme the theme absolutely adds to that. Yeah, they've been a real jolt to the tag division for quite a while now. Uh, you know, guys like them and Ozzy Open and, and Team DK and whatnot. They're they're awesome. They rock. And I know Forbidden Door again is coming up real soon. I would love to see a rematch with them in FTR. Because I thought that their match Wrestle Kingdom this year was was awesome, um, so yeah, I know Yoshihashi he's the bag of socks and Goto is the geek or whatever, but I love them and and you know they are two great tastes that taste great together in my opinion. So let's let's give them their flowers. Why not? Huh? <laughs> I agree. I agree. They're, they're very well put. Two great tastes that taste great together. Absolutely. Second to last theme here, and it's for one of the members of Just Five Guys. So it's just one guy here, and it's Doki. Yes, the talented Mr. Doki, Gino Gambino's favorite wrestler. And uh, Doki's theme is by Inosuke Kitamura. This is Dolore.
Happy Halloween! Uh, <laughs> so this is uh, a, a very dark song here. It starts off with that weird sound and the tink and then this grungy guitar comes in. It's all very harsh. I mean, it's called Dolor, which is Spanish for pain. So that's the score right there, you know. But um, yeah, Doki, a man on the darker edge of things with his uh, mask and his pipe and whatnot. So, you know, he may not win a lot of matches for our boy Doki, but uh, as far as getting the right tone for his theme song, it, it works for sure, Warren. It, it's it's a very interesting one. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it, does the... Um, are, does it fit... Does it fit Doki in the sense of his positioning, like what he does? Because you know he's usually the job guy. He's the guy who takes the, you know, he, that that's been his thing for such a long time now. Is Doki spooky? Does he frighten us? Sure, he's got the very unnerving look. Let's put it that way. But you know, I, I you know, I don't consider. In the scheme of things right now in New Japan, I don't consider Doki to be a, a source of fear, you know, <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. Um, the, uh, but, you know, I, 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 the theme is interesting. It is very atmospheric and, uh, and it does convey, it, it does convey the, 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 the sense of uh, a, 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 an unnerving sense of, of dread. You know, of the unexpected, of bad things that are going to happen to you. Um, you know, we were having the same type of, um, you know, uh, talk around David Finley's one, whereas David Finley feels a lot more in your face. This one feels more like it, it'll it sneak up on you and get you kind of thing, which is maybe what, you know, our boy uh, Dookie might, might turn into eventually, where it's just like, you know, he'll just hit you where it hurts most when you least expect it but you know I, I the 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 theme does a lot of heavy lifting for his presentation right now i don't think it you know do, does it suit his push well maybe maybe not but again you know maybe we're just laying some framework here for the for the future in that regard well listen if a move like the doki choki doesn't instill fear into people i don't know what would okay <laughs> come on I mean, oh yeah let's be real here, maybe huh? then maybe not calling it that <laughs> <laughs> maybe well, what's interesting to me about this is that you know doki got into new japan in 2019 as a last minute replacement for despy and super juniors because you know despy broke his jaw but he debuted with this song ready to go so i'm curious you know how fast it took kitamura to whip this up because you know it's just kind of out of the blue here i mean it's not a very complicated song mind you but still i'm sure this wasn't in the plans to have this, you know, guy from the Mexican Indies just come in out of the blue and, and get a song here. So I am, I am curious about that whole deal there, Warren. I guess that's a, it's an interesting thought. Uh, I hadn't realized that uh, until you, you you mentioned it right now. Um, so you, you know, we could uh, it could bear to 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 imagine at the very least that you know maybe the day we do decide to quote unquote get serious about about Dookie. Or, uh, Maybe maybe a theme song change will be in order in that regard to get something which will be closer to what they want them to be. Not unlike what we did with uh, with Dave Finley or what we're expecting with Alex Coughlin. Um, yeah, since it was out the gate like that, a little unexpected. Maybe it was just something uh, Mr. Kitamura had in his uh, 
and on a on an external hard drive somewhere. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just pull this one out. There you go. What's that? He's some unknown lucha scummer coming in. I got just the thing for him. <laughs> Dust dusts off the old zip drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's funny too to see like the growth of Doki among the fans because he goes from like this unknown entity to this beloved cult favorite, but he still has the mask and the pipe and the scary song, and it's like, yeah, Doki, let's go, buddy, you got this, come on, you know. And I mean, myself, I became a big Doki fan over the years too. I mean, I I didn't like him at first, but he grew on me. So yeah, I mean, I I, I have grown accustomed to his face, you might say. Um, or half face, I guess. So uh, yeah, proportion. Yeah, love yeah. the uh, love the old dokester there, Warren. <laughs> but I I think calling him a cult favorite, I think that's that's precisely it. That's exactly what he is. Um, and you know, I mean, you know, clearly they, you know, they they like him in New Japan. You know, he's probably he's probably well liked backstage, and you know, Gato probably doesn't have money many issues with him. He feels like he's the kind of guy who, uh, okay, Booker man, tell me what you need me to do, and I'll do it, kind of thing. You know, he feels like one of those dudes. Um, and you know, he, he got into a short little program with Tetsuya Naito. I mean, yeah, wouldn't be doing that if they didn't think that he didn't have something, you know what I mean? So it's all good. Mm -hmm. Last theme here. And it's for the bad child, Junior Healy. No, wait, that's problem child. And never mind. <laughs> never mind. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. This is for, uh, the bad child, Leo Rush, a member of chaos. And, uh, Leo's theme is by Dreddy, and that's spelled D-R-E-T-T-1, because he's cool like that. Uh, this is Bad Child. So I think this song has the distinction of having the most swears in a New Japan theme, because I don't think Okada's theme is this many bitches in it. Um, <laughs> still though, it's a pretty cool song, very sleek and slinking, and has that cool intro with the piano and the trumpet in there too. It's, it's definitely a different kind of song that we're used to in New Japan, because they've had rap themes before, of course, but this is like a legit American rapper doing his own song and not, you know, Kitamura in the studio or... Uh, Rocky Romero or what have you. So it's it's very unique for sure, uh, Warren. Yeah, uh, I'm actually even surprised that Leo Rush didn't use one of his songs here because he, you know, he does his own recordings quite a bit, uh, and um, uh, so I'm a little I'm a little surprised. But I mean, at the same time, I think this this is fine. You know, is this is this a um, is this what you think about when you think wrestling themes? No. But uh, I also think that there is, uh, I also think that there's something very interesting 
about um i think there's something very interesting about uh uh the um uh, uh about using this again in an environment where you know guitar licks and you know very heavy presentation and very loud you know this is very different and it also suits leo rush as well that's the vibe that he that he gives off that he gives off that he's been working on ever since leaving wwe and coming back from his umpteenth retirement this is this is what he's been working on at the same time this is the the vibe that he wants i think it works for him uh and it it stands out it's extremely different in in, in the japan in the Japan setting. And I think that's also something you need to do with your themes. They do have to be able to, you do have to be able to pinpoint them out and, 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 and attract attention when it starts. You're, you're naturally, I feel just by, just by the audio, you're naturally compelled to pay attention because it doesn't sound like anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, Leo just has that uniqueness about him himself, you know, the way he moves around the ring, the way he dresses and all that. And, um obviously he's a big rap guy too because yeah he raps himself and uh he does know dreddy he's worked with him in the past there's that connection there but if you're going to stand out yeah it's not just about the looks or the moves it's the music too in this case and yeah we we've talked about plenty of rap songs on this show over the years but in this context you know having a song like this in that environment is certainly different and certainly unique so um lee did a good job of, of picking the right kind of song for that uh that goal, I'd say, uh, Warren. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you know, I've I've enjoyed some of uh, what Leo Rush has has put out. You know, I I think the first thing the first thing he did, if I remember correctly, and my 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 memory might be a little blurry here, but I think one of the first things he did after uh, after his time in WWE was release a song under the name Leo. Right. And it was called I Wonder, which was it was it was meant to be like this very soulful. No, not soulful. That's not the right word. More, more, uh, maybe a little more art, um, not even R&B. How would, how would I describe it? Like a um, loungy anyway, kind of love song where he sort of he sort of sang along with it. But, you know, heavy on the auto tune kind of thing. But right there, he had the foundations of. Like I see a direct line between that song he released. I think it was in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I, I see a direct line between the foundation that he had laid there and this this theme song that Dreddy or Dread One <laughs> created for him. Uh, because it, it, it's all the same vibe. I feel it's all part of the same universe that Leo Rush has created for himself, if that makes sense. So, you know... I I can't knock a pro wrestler for having this type of awareness or what do you want to call it? Brand direction or artistic direction, whatever word you want to use, whatever term you want to use. I appreciate that. I think it's, it's something that even a lot of wrestlers could bear to put a little more thought in. Uh, Rush obviously puts a lot of thought into uh, how he presents and markets himself uh, and, uh, yeah, there's definitely a through line with everything he does. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just glad that Leo has really found his groove again and he's got the spot in new Japan because it, it's cliche at this point with the retirement jokes, I know, but it's, it, it's kind of true. I mean, Leo's career has had its fair share of starts and stops and ups and downs, but 
I think lately he's really hit his stride in New Japan with the Yo Tag team and the Super Juniors run and the matches he's had with Hiromu and Speedball and, and those guys. So, yeah, it is really great to see him, you know, be here in this spot again because he is way too good and way too talented to let all that stuff just go to waste. So as long as he's healthy and motivated and is you know, able to you know still be around in New Japan, I will gladly watch him because he's pretty awesome, Warren. I agree. I'm completely with you. Uh, I think he, you know, the motivation is the key factor, right? Because I, I think he said it uh, on, I don't know if it was a, a straight up interview or on a post-match press conference where he had said something to the effect that tag teaming with Yo relit his passion for wrestling, you know, gave him a good spot at the very least. Because Yo has a bit of a contentious or had a bit of a contentious relationship with pro wrestling as well, right? Where he as well, he's a visual artist. He does things, you know, uh, as well on the periphery of pro wrestling as well. So, you know, I they kind of, to a degree, they might have been kindred spirits and they bonded on this, you know, this relationship that they have with pro wrestling and uh and and if it benefited both of those because even yo you could argue has been much more interesting than any other point in his career um but you know since we're talking about leo rush specifically i'm i feel like this was a good environment for him i think the tag team did work out for him and and we're all better off we are all better off having him wrestle like you said he's too talented to uh, to not be enjoying we we've seen what he's done uh since joining japan since uh, joining new japan excuse me but even uh throughout uh, 2023 so far that great match with hiromu um and the uh and and the tournament itself like he's been he's been a he's been a star throughout all of this which to any observer should not come as any surprise but it's just good to be able to 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 um to bask in that and enjoy Leo Rush wrestling to his potential and as a as a motivated energetic pro wrestler. Absolutely, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, Warren, thank you so much for being here. This was just so much fun. Your first time on uh, again. Apologies for the uh, Newfoundland mix up there. Um, I hope I didn't <laughs> offend your. Quebecois sensibilities too much, but uh, but no. In all seriousness, thanks again, man. This was just a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it, it's it's quite all right. Thank you very much. And it's not as much a Quebecois sensibility as opposed. To I don't want to be in Yuffie, but no. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Th- no, seriously, thank you very much. I was I, I I was thrilled you asked me. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it a great deal. Thank you very much, Andrew. Not Rich, Andrew. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, we we all make mistakes. We know that by now, I'd say, but um, <laughs> but any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, listen, uh, I do a wrestling podcast, Shock and Surprise, called the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Uh, I record it live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. if you're ever interested in that. Otherwise, uh, everything gets available on video on demand or on your audio feeds the very next day on uh, on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or, as I said, right, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, so on and so forth. I also do AEW Dynamite reviews every week where I do a, a deep dive. So you want to subscribe to all my stuff. That way you uh, you won't miss a thing. And you can also read uh, my occasional writings over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. All right. And Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great shows on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. 
Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Voicesofwrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. Voicesofwrestling.com slash Donate for any donations. Uh, just click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Warren, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. It's good. It was good to be here. All right, for Warren Hayes, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Uh, uh. Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show.